it's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. We can get free college degrees based on all of the opportunities that are out here and available to our students. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience adversity. Yeah. Here's your host, Danita Bailey. Well, good morning and welcome to School Days, Help for Moms and Dads of School Age Kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I am David Bailey. Uh, so with everything swirling around um, in our society today, uh, Danita, Danita and I decided to take a another um, turn. You know, it seemed like every, every week our episodes keep changing. Um, but this week we're going to be talking about injustice and educational equality um, and how um, significant that is in understanding um, some of the challenges that uh, students may be facing as parents, but also how can uh, we bring about change to benefit all families as well. Um, so we, we live in Mansfield, uh, Texas, my wife and I, and um, I was a former educator in Mansfield. Um, and upon uh, reading uh, some of the research of the history of Mansfield, it was very um, um, intriguing in that uh, Mansfield was one of the earliest districts to be, um, right after Brown versus Board of Education, was assigned to desegregate. Um, and uh, there was a lot of resistance to that. Um, people came out and, and blockaded uh, the students that were trying to come. And, and up until that time, African-American students could only go through eighth grade in Mansfield. Uh, but after um, a block basically by the, the uh, people living in Mansfield and also by others, um, support of the governor um, and others, uh, the students had to actually go to a school in Fort Worth, Texas, um, and ride a bus there. And then, ride, and then I think I saw the, to walk and I just looked 20 blocks uh, mm-hmm. to get to their school. Um, and so uh, Mansfield did not integrate until 10 years after Brown versus Board. And that was only because the government essentially said that um, if you don't integrate, then you're going to lose your funding. And then um, that began to change. And from the research I was looking at, there was, you know, it was a pretty, pretty you know, easier transition than what it was anticipated. Uh, but now Mansfield is an extremely uh, diverse district with uh, many different schools, and it's just now a, a destination district um, with a lot of diverse leadership um, as well. And so we are uh, excited about um, talking about um, injustice and equality, um, and uh, particularly with the leadership we have for Mansfield Independent School District that's here today. Yeah, and just to kind of talk about how far we've come. Um, I had the wonderful opportunity to interview two bright young ladies that started the Black Student Association at Mansfield High School. And they did it because they realized that there weren't any clubs that reflected their culture. And um, I spoke to BSA President Kendall Fields and Simone Jones, and they organized a two and a half mile march and protest from their school to the Mansfield City Hall. And it was attended by thousands of people of all races and backgrounds. And so I wanted to just talk to these ladies and find out um, how that came about. This is what they had to say. 
you guys decided, you know, after hearing all, about all of the recent events, you guys decided you wanted to do something. What did you guys decide you wanted to do? We decided that we wanted to create a march or a protest to show an active symbol of us moving forward and the progress that we are demanding for because of all these social inequalities that we have been facing in the Black community. Why did you want to organize a protest versus go to a protest? It, it's different whenever you've experienced the racial discrimination yourselves. And I know students in Black Student Association, our peers and the fellow organizers that we worked with to create the march, uh, we have experienced racial discrimination ourselves in our own school, in our own community. And we felt it was our duty to make sure our voices were heard and make sure that we as Black Student Association and as Black students in Mansfield, make sure our voice is heard and make sure we get the voices heard out there that didn't have the chance to speak. What was the result? Were your voices heard? And, you know, what was the final um, attendance count? Um, I would say we had around 3,000 to 4,000 people. I definitely think we had our voices heard and we're still having meetings and planning things and events and forums with lots of people to continue and make sure this change is permanent. Did you guys have any idea that this would be this successful? No. We had a previous march to um, honor Ahmaud Arbery, and it was only about 12 people. So knowing when I pulled up into the parking lot, I was like, are all these people here for our march or is something else going on? So it was definitely, it was shocking, but we were really excited that people came out to support the movement. BSA is definitely grateful for everyone who came to support and who donated and speaks highly of the organization. And I think that with everything going on in the world today, including our nation, it's just, I feel like people finally weren't afraid to speak anymore because before it was like, oh, everybody wasn't speaking on it. I'm gonna just keep it to myself. But now that they have this opportunity to express their frustrations and to express that what's happening is wrong, I think that they have a lot of confidence in supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. So I think it's especially important that we start educating ourselves of the history that not only Black people have gone through, but other minorities within the United States and looking into laws and policies on a national level. Because once you're educated, educated and know your facts you can't be starting in a different direction mm. that was so good they're so smart um i just love their passion and that was part of a, a much longer interview which we will actually post on social media later today so dave so i'd say we're, we're going to uh be talking about um injustice and education equality um, and what are some of the challenges that we face um, with uh, within communities and also with families and students as well? And then how can we um, help to empower parents to ensure that um, we're moving forward as parents and the students, no matter where you are, um, that this will be beneficial to all. All right. So before we go any further, we want to say that it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, 
Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and add the hashtag School Days Show and hashtag I Am School Days. And also, we do want you to be a part of the show. So if you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 214-444-5575. Or if you're live with us on Facebook, get your fingers to type in and drop us a question there, and we'll do our very best to get to your question as soon as possible. So let's go ahead and introduce today's guest. I'll start with... Dr. Kimberly Cantu. Uh, she's entering her 27th year of service in public, edu- public school education with 21 years of service to Mansfield ISD. She has held teaching, coaching, and various administrative roles and was mostly, most recently, MISD's deputy superintendent before becoming the second female superintendent in the district's history in December of 2019. Dr. Cantu is passionate about preparing students to be college, career, military, and life ready through her work with Vision 2030 and the National Redefining Ready Cohort. Her work on preparing all students to be socially and emotionally astute and cared for both in and outside of school not only supports her belief of having students be life ready, but shows her desire to put the best interests of our students and families first. This Texas native also believes in giving back to the community as an active member of the Mansfield Rotary Club and participates in Meals on Wheels, Habitat for Humanity and other service projects. So welcome, Dr. Cantu. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, uh, Dr. Michael Evans Sr. Um, he is a native of Houston, Texas, and he served as a uh, has served as a proud pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church of Mansfield, um, in Texas since 1991. He's married to Mrs. Lisa Evans, his high school sweetheart, and the couple have two adult children. Pastor Evans received his Bachelor of Arts in Political Science. From the University of Texas at Arlington and his Doctor of Ministry from Baylor University's Truett Theological Seminary. Pastor Evans has served as a consultant on race relations for church, county, and state officials. Pastor Evans is the founder of the BBC Educational Enrichment Corporation, which has served more than 1,000 young people throughout the Southeast Arlington, Mansfield, Kennedale area with tutoring services, career exploration, and summer job placement. And he has served as a president of the Board of Trustees of the, of the Mansfield Independent School District and continues to serve on numerous boards and spearheads, many community initiatives locally and statewide. So, Dr. Evans, we're really glad that you're here and uh, welcome. And we should remember, we should uh, mention, Dr. Evans, that you made history in being the first black uh, trustee in Mansfield ISD. So that's kind of a really big deal. I'll tell you what, it's... it's uh... Always a blessing uh, when you get the opportunity to uh, uh, to serve, and um, I appreciate uh, my colleagues uh, for um, uh, trusting me and entrusting me with that opportunity to serve as president uh, of the board. And I, I realize that I stand on broad shoulders. Not a one of us can do one thing uh, by ourselves, and, and presently serving as a board trustee with uh, Tarrant County College and as a regent uh, for Baylor University. So. You know, I, I appreciate those opportunities. Education is the key. 
That's right. Well, welcome to the show. And last but not least, as a graduate from the Mississippi School of Mathematics and Science, Karen Marcucci had the opportunity to see how public education can change lives for the better for generations. This investment compelled her to pay it forward and invest in the next generation of learning. She is proud of the new learning opportunities such as dual language, STEM, early college high school, academy for early college high school and academy for early learners and more that have been introduced to Mansfield ISD during her tenure as president of the board. Ms. Marcucci is now focusing her efforts on helping the next generation of Texas school board leaders. She is actively engaging with other districts to learn and share best practices and create collaboration across Texas schools. She believes in public education and helping each of our students reach their full potential. Ms. Marcucci has been married to her husband, Todd, for almost 20 years. They have three daughters, Anna, Amelia, and Eva, Eva, Eva. Their family also includes Jake, their 12-year-old grumpy dog, and the newest family of their family, Q, a betta fish from Anna's most recent biology project. <laughs> so welcome, Karen. Welcome back, I should say. Thank you. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Uh, it was fun to see in my memories that a year ago I was here with Dr. Vishaskis, our former superintendent. And so it's exciting to be back with our new superintendent. And then any chance I get to see Pastor Evans, I'm always very excited as well. So I'm happy to be here. Yes, I shot you a text yesterday and I said, apparently we're going to have you on the show every June 18th. <laughs> I'm in. Just go ahead and pencil me for next year. Standing date. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump right in. All right. So um, early on, way back in the day, Mansfield um, ISD was or Mansfield uh, schools were exclusively white. <laughs> but now they're ext it's an extremely diverse district. Um, and this is open to everybody. Um, just share some of your uh, some of the challenges um, and opportunities that the district has had um, in growing, in the growing pains of becoming a more diverse district. Um, just kind of share your insights on how that was and, and uh, how it is now. I can start, I'll, I'll go first. All right. Um, I, I think from my perspective, um, you know, one of the challenges as we've watched the district change tremendously um, over the last 60, 70 years is, you know, making sure that it, it communication lines have stayed open as things grow and change. Sometimes people, um, all different groups might not communicate as well as they should. Um, I think it's being able to continue to the open lines of communication. It's from a district perspective. It's also the, one of the challenges is, is your staffing and continuing to make sure that your staffing is reflective of your student population and of your communities. Um, I think that's a challenge for a lot of districts. That's a challenge that we still experience today, um, but it's one that we we are um, very much focused on and uh, we can continue continue to get better and better and better. We've made some, some large improvements of, regarding that over the last several years, and we know that we're going to continue to do the work that needs to be done to make that happen. But I think it's it's the challenges are in just communication, the challenges in fellowshipping together, being intentional about those sorts of things and having your school community reflect your the community in which you live and um, the challenges and really just walking in each other's shoes and understanding one another. Because, uh, you know, 
uh, as Pastor Evan said, we're, we're all in this together, and there's there's strength in our diversity, and and um, and we should we should stand on that. You, you, I, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I was going to follow up on that question. Sure, I, I wasn't moving on. I, I do have a follow up to her question, actually. Um, so, uh, Kimberly, you said that um, it's important to reflect the community that you're in how do you feel so if our if um, mansfield where we are ha was more uh of one color or race do you think that it's also important or for districts that are to have diversity and staff in areas like that oh my goodness absolutely because let's be honest it's that that's that's the world that we live in and there again like i said there's strength and diversity and you know people can't people can and should not live in bubbles, mm. right? So um, you become a better person, you become a more enlightened person, a more developed person when you have a true understanding and acknowledgement and understanding of the world and everyone around you and the differences that when they come together, bring the strength. Absolutely. You know, uh, my involvement, and, and I appreciate Dr. Cantu, she's 100% correct. You know, my involvement uh, began with uh, MISD back in 1989. Uh, that, that's when I uh, came to the Mansfield area and started serving at the Bethlehem Church and uh, initially working with youth. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that uh, we had to do uh, was to engage uh, the uh, and engage with rather uh, the ISD. Uh, of course, the demographics were quite different back then. As a matter of fact, in uh, Mansfield, we didn't have but about uh, maybe 15,000 residents uh, at, at all. And um, it, it was somewhat challenging. I, I was able, though, to um, work with people uh, who, who weren't African-American, work with people, though, who had a passion uh, for education. They had a passion uh, for uh, making sure that um, the children that uh, we worked with, primarily in the west side of town, uh, that, that, that those kids were uh, proficient in regard to the three R's. Uh, and Dr. Cantu uh, mentioned something and she's right, it's intentionality. Uh, you know, when, when you're talking about a, a system, you know, any type system in particular in Mansfield, uh, where you, you have you have these deep rooted ideas, I mean, it takes it takes a lot of years to, to, to pull that out or to extract that. And uh, um, Doc is right, I heard where she said that, you know, these are still challenges. Uh, one of the things that I appreciated about her predecessor, uh, Dr. Vashaskas, and uh, Karen was on the board then, was that uh, when we inquired about uh, the ratio of uh, students of color uh, versus uh, those um, educators, those people, those teachers, you know, how many black teachers uh, do we have in Mansfield? You, you know, when, when, it, when you're talking about, you know, reflecting your constituency, and here we were, as a district, we change in regard to demographics. It shifted a whole lot faster than uh, a lot of people uh, knew. Trust me. I mean, I go back to the days when Walmart uh, was located on 157 and 287. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, just so this is silly, but I'm just going to tell you, you know, <laughs> we've been married 33 years. But when I'd go to the store and see a black person, I'm passing them a car and say, hey, y'all know where the black church is? I mean, y'all come on down here. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it was it was that kind of thing. You know, now I just wave it, folks, because, you know, we are more diverse uh, in that regard. But but the key term is intentionality. And I know that Dr. V started uh, um, uh, hiring uh, black administrators. And of course, it's black administrator's job 
uh, to, uh, um, uh, you know, those principals, part of their job is to make sure that there's diversity on their campus. Uh, you know, so the two, superintendent did his job. Uh, but one of the things that we have to do, y'all, is uh, when God blesses us, when we get into uh, positions of, of, of authority or power, uh, we can't be afraid uh, to, to move the needle ourselves, you know, because of some insecurities about us uh, keeping our, our own position. So, mm. um, you know, I, I'll, be the, I'll be the real plain voice on the line today. We love uh, it. Sp- speaking from a position of uh, just experience. So, so, so once we push and press for superintendents to do what they do, board members to do what they do, we then, too, have to be held accountable. That's me. I'm an elected official right now. Uh, still have to be held accountable for uh, disparities in, in said numbers, you know, so. Um, I'll hush. I, well, I'd like to talk a little bit about that, too, because um, serving on the board has been very interesting for me. Um, I was very excited when Pastor Evans was elected school board president just because of his leadership. And then, it, and I will be honest, it didn't dawn on me until the night that he was sworn in um, as president that he was our first, you know, Black school board president. And um, and I feel bad that I didn't recognize that, but I didn't grow up here and wasn't familiar with a lot of that stuff. But it was a great night and I was so glad to be a part of it, but I was really proud of him. And then the president after him was actually Raul Gonzalez, who was our first Hispanic board president. And so I was really, um, it's really interesting to, because the board was actually showing some diversity, not just in who was on the board, but also in the leadership positions. And then I came after uh, Mr. Gonzalez. And so I will tell you that I feel strong responsibility to those leaders that have come before me and making sure that we continue the good work that they have started. And so I do believe that we need some more diversity on the board. And I've been involved with an organization called Ignite to try to encourage um people to think about running for elected office. I will tell you, I never once in my life wanted to run for school board as a kid. Like if you look at my, what I want to, what I want to be when I grow up, there was never a school board member. (laughs) 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 But it came from an involvement in the PTA and then uh, wanting to have more of a voice as to what was happening in my community. And so like when you read my um, bio, I really do believe in that is giving people the courage, but also the nuts and bolts of understanding how to run a successful campaign, because I do want our board even to rec- to represent our community because we've gotten so big. And it's not even about um, demographics as far as even socioeconomics and all that kind of stuff, but even diversity uh, of where people live, all of that has changed so much here in Mansfield. I just want to make sure that all the voices have the opportunity to come to the table because we don't know what we don't know. And with the diversity and thought, then we know what we don't know and we can do better. And so I'm very excited about that. And I take that responsibility very seriously. Hey, Dr. Evans, what year was it that you came on the Mansfield ISD board? I think it was uh, 2007 and a half. Uh, it, it, was, it was right before uh, President Obama was elected. So right, right up around there. I think it's it was, so. Uh, I think it's so interesting that we are still saying first black so many years later. Well, um, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was surprised. Yeah. Like I didn't even yeah. realize that. And I have to be honest, when I heard that, yeah. I was like, what? That's crazy. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's a true statement. I mean, because, uh, well, well, you know, of course, you know, I knew and, and, and our congregation knew, uh, but it was not, it was not 
um, factored into uh, uh, the vote that night. Now, I can say that uh, because, I mean, we, we, we've had some outstanding. I mean, my predecessor, John Washington, was first African-American who was actually elected to the board. But prior to him, uh, we had an, an African-American, uh, and, and I say Brother Platt, because these are people who were members of our church. But, but uh, uh, Platt was also a, um, he was a board member, but he was uh, actually appointed to the board to um, finish out someone's term. So when I say I'm standing on broad shoulders, I mean that. And, um, you know, there is an extra air responsibility uh, that, that you do carry with you in regard to leadership uh, in, in certain places and, and that board. But um, uh, I appreciate them. I believe that uh, they chose me because uh, uh, they felt that, um, you know, I, I brought to the table certain qualities. Uh, now, I'm not running away from, from my, my, my heritage. I'm proud of who I am, where I come from. And uh, y'all know I can be soul brother number one sometimes. <laughs> it's important to know, though, that um, uh, we respected each other. And um, that's what we continue to bring to the forefront. Uh, I, I like to think that, that my time was a good time. I spent 10 years there, and, and after a while, it was, it was time to move on. So uh, I'm, I'm pursuing now another first in the city of Mansfield. That's to be the first African-American mayor, but not to be the African-American mayor because I'm a black guy, but it's because I want to make sure that our city goes in a specific direction. So, All right. Um, so could you guys describe uh, de facto segregation and how does it impact education equality? If you like, just break break down what that is, and then what are the implications of that? Can we start? Sure. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll tell you my my understanding of it is when there's segregation, just based on socioeconomic neighborhood where you are, it's just it's something that that happens. Um, I think. When, when we think about that, um, based on your economic disadvantages, wh whatever that may be, with that obviously comes some things that come into play for students. Um, they may have limited access to really good, solid health care. That's going to impact them in education. They won't, they're, they're going to be absent. They're going to mm -hmm. miss some school. That's going to impact them. They're going to have um, limited access maybe to some resources. Maybe there's not as much print material in the home. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe the families are are struggling economically and mom and dad can't be home as much because they're working. And so the homework, you know, being able to sit right there with you and say, hey, let's talk about this. Um, there's so it, it definitely, I think that those those things factors definitely can impact the educational outcomes for our students. I agree I, I, to all of those points. I mean, uh, sometimes it is it's just uh, the way uh, that the uh, societal or cultural cards are dealt. And um, you find yourself starting, you know, in, in a minus five position mm -hmm. as opposed to uh, an even playing field. And uh, uh, we see that. And, and one of the things that um, uh, we were able to do as a board several years ago uh, was to purchase those iPads. Uh, we wanted to make sure that people had access to them. But then after that, we also learned, of course, that now we need to, um, you know, all the kids may not have access to um, uh, the Internet, you know, th that kind of thing. And uh, we needed to broaden that environment on our campuses and, and, and things like that. So 
uh, yeah, you can find yourself in a terrible place and um, have not be able to do much about it. That's what I love about the education system and public education in particular, in that uh, we reach down, reach into those places and work to pull people out of those. You know, I'm, I'm a product of that in Houston, Texas. Uh, and I grew up in the um, Third Ward, Cashmere Garden, Sunnyside, all of the hoods. You know, I grew up in, in all of those in particular. Uh, but um, HISD, Houston Independent School District, uh, was my way out hmm. uh, because they exposed me to the symphony. They exposed me to the Texas Boys Choir. They ex- yeah, yeah, you hear where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom um, was, you know, go for it. My parents divorced when, I was, when we were uh, young. And um, dad just came from Vietnam. The war did what the war did uh, to my papa. And, um, you know, so so the district was my sanctuary. School was. And um, that's how we deal with de facto segregation, because it's something that you got to deal with. And um, you have to reach down and, and go get them. The district's doing that now. We're feeding kids on a daily basis every day, not just the school district. We're partnering with them as a community. We're feeding them and their parents every day so that's one of the ways that you deal with uh, de facto uh, uh, segregation uh, brother Bailey let me ask real quick um do you really do you feel like education is truly the great equalizer um because I would imagine there are some kids that you grew up with that didn't have the same experience that you had and did not achieve the same success that you have can you talk a little bit to that and maybe why that happens Oh, no doubt. I'd like like to speak about that if you don't mind. Sure, okay. Having grown up, having grown up in Mississippi, um, which isn't known for its educational system, I'm fully aware of that. I had the opportunity to go to a really new school, the Mississippi School for Mathematics and Science. I was in the third graduating class. And it was um, quite revolutionary um, to expose kids to math and science. And it was fascinating because the kids I went to school with there, um, I I had the opportunity of growing up in one of the better school districts in in Mississippi. Um, So I wasn't quite in the same situation as others. But it was amazing to me when I found out that kids that I was going to school with there from all over the state didn't have the opportunity to take algebra in eighth grade. Like, Mm. what? Mm-hmm. And I found out that their high schools didn't even offer anything past algebra. Mm-hmm. It was really amazing mm-hmm. to me. And, but here we were, and we all got to graduate with, you know, calculus three mm-hmm. um, from high school. And it, the kids had the potential in there. And I will tell you, I see the difference. Like I see the difference that education can make. My classmates are doing amazing things now and not to knock the families that they came from, but their siblings, their cousins, they're not. And I, mm-hmm. I honestly believe that education not only does it um, provide the skills that you need to succeed, but it usually exposes you to more than what you've seen locally. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a good reader, you can go on vacation every single day <laughs> to a new place and learn something new. And so I, I strongly believe in education. That's one of the things that really just drives me. And um, I, I do believe that it gives people the basis to reach their potential. Obviously there's some, um, internal things that we all have to do to take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to us. But I do believe that education is the key. And that's why I'm so proud of the Academy for Early Learners, because uh, that is a new uh, preschool that we have that is unlike anything else in the nation. And it's really tried to help those kids, because I worry about those kids that start first grade already feeling behind. 
Yeah. Yeah. They've not had the preschool experience. They don't understand the rules of the land, like how to line up in a line. You know, they don't understand so many of those different things. They've been parked in front of a TV. They haven't had experiences. And so those kids that even start feeling behind, they stay behind. It's just a mindset that they get locked into. And I really, truly believe in my heart that education can change that. And we have got to start at the youngest possible kids and show them the possibility and keep encouraging them to keep growing in their education. I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> and, well, and, and, and that's why it is, you know, the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, one of the things my, my great-grandmother taught me, who we lived with for many years, uh, she didn't finish the third grade. She picked cotton. And, um, you know, one of the things she said to me was, uh, baby, get your, get your lesson. Uh, because that's something that no one will ever be able to take from you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think about um, uh, the school right here in Mansfield, the, the uh, segregated school. I mean, we, we, we have doctors, lawyers, pastors, I mean, that, that came from that school uh, right there on 1188 uh, uh, West Broad. That's why I'm a proponent for public education. And, and now uh, with the college uh, board and uh, the two colleges, because I, I think that, you, you know, when you, when you look at yourself in the mirror, and yeah, there are many of my friends who uh, chose to do other things. Uh, but if the ISD puts it out there in front of you, uh, then you will at least have the opportunity to choose from it. I mean, just e- even with our iPads, I mean, you know, Karen can tell you, we had some parents who said, I don't want it. I mean, and, and we were pressing and saying, yes, you do, <laughs> you know, but um, they didn't. And, and probably still to this day, I don't know the data, uh, but, but they just refused that technology. But uh, when we, when we, are intentional about uh, making sure that that those young people get what they need, uh, then, um, you know, we, we're helping somebody. My wife uh, was a, a teacher and uh, she taught at um, uh, I.M. Terrell, uh, the very school that uh, a lot of children in Mansfield were bused to um, and, uh, back in the day. It, it, it became an elementary school. Now it's a learning academy. But um, she would actually go to the, uh, the projects uh, that's uh, located next door to the school, knock on the door and go and get kids. I mean, mm. she would do that. And uh, I think we miss a lot of that, you know, uh, and um, uh, in our neighborhoods and places like that. But education is still the way. Yeah. I mean, it is the way forward. Um, Dr. Cantu, I want to ask you specifically, uh, you, you have the, the helicopter view of our district and there's a lot of socioeconomic diversity within our district. Uh, what what are what are some of the challenges, uh, external challenges that you see um, outside of the classroom per se that maybe hindrances to academic success? External challenges. Yes. Um, a lot of it again, it, it comes to access. Um, what resources are available in the home? Um, do students come to school well fed? where they can Mm -hmm. think, have they had a good night's sleep, where they can think. Um, Do kids have access to transportation? Um, You know, we know as a district that one of the, one of the things that keeps kids engaged um, and and interactive with school is being a part of something extracurricular. Well, if you have to, if you have to get on the bus or you have to ride home with someone because that's your only way home, you have to leave. And so many of our activities do take place outside of the school day. And that's one of the reasons why we've been really intentional 
um, particularly with the onset of Vision 2020 and setting one of our guiding statements of extra and co-curricular activities is of building some of those access points for them during the day hmm. because we can't necessarily change what their transportation situation is. We can try to provide as much transportation as we possibly can. Yeah. We can also provide you opportunities to engage within the school day because you may need to leave and go to work. You may need to leave and go home and help with your siblings. And so yeah. Provide those things inside too, I think is really important because there are those things on the outside that we don't have a lot that we can't control, but we can try to help mitigate that by what we do internally. Uh, do you ever feel the pressure of, you know, we, we have state standards, we have to, you know, pass the state exams um, and balancing, making sure they're, they're academically ready for those things. But we know that, you know, we've had episodes where we've talked about the importance of play and the importance of interaction and engagement in, in different areas of learning uh, besides just the say testing, um, balancing, meeting those needs. Uh, I've heard of some districts where they just took out recess altogether and, you know, or just, they don't play anymore or they, you know, it's only about the test, test, test. Uh, but what I'm seeing, the research shows that that's not, the best approach to help kids to learn. So how can maybe a parent advocate or to encourage, you know, maybe no matter where they are, we have listeners all over the place um, to advocate for um, things beyond just the state testing um, because it, it, we, kind of, we kind of rise and fall on the state testing, but at the same time, if kids don't have that other outlets, then it's going to impact the testing as well. So I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, how parents can advocate is they, I mean, get involved, please get involved in your, in your PTAs, in the campus committees, in the district committees, talking to their legislators, all those sorts of things are really, really important. Um, but, you know, I, I have a very strong opinion about, about this. Uh, I mean, the test, the state test is the, is the state test and we are all measured at some point during life. And so we have to be able to be mindful of that state test and we have to prepare for that state test because that is just, that's part of life, that's reality. But I also very, very strongly believe that you have to, that that can't be the be all end all. If you are not in a social place and an emotional place, if you are not well within yourself and you don't know how to communicate and engage, that's gonna impact your ability to learn. And so do you need to have recess and run that energy off? Absolutely. Can we build fun educational things into recess too? Yes, there should be a balance of free play and educational play. And so I think it's 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 not just about the test, but everything else that we do to support our kids only enhances their ability to perform when they're asked to perform. But it's our job to provide those those supports around them so that when it does come to that state test time and to just life in general, they're ready. And um, I think that's one of the one of the parts about Vision 2030 that has me very, very excited. There's a huge social emotional learning component. There's life ready pieces and all of that enhances their ability to go out and be college and career ready as well. You can't have college and career ready if you don't have the life ready and the SEL supports. I feel like that, that under underline that and support it. Hey, Dr. Cantu, what's the difference between life ready and career ready? So life ready for us is um, like some of the things on, on our card. Um, do, you, do you attend school? I mean, that's, that's, a, that, that's a life ready thing because we need to teach you that life, that it's important to be in attendance, that it's important to, um, 
to be able to engage with other people. And so do you have a, a relationship with an adult? Do you have that ability to communicate with one another? Are you involved in an extracurricular or co-curricular activity? What sort of club? Are you seeing the bigger picture of your community? Mm-hmm. Those are those life-ready pieces versus, I mean, and those enhance and support you to be ready in your career. Yeah, yeah. True. Let's just take a a pause for a moment to say that if you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Uh, Please either drop us a line on Facebook. I see we've got several people watching with us, or you can give us a call at 214-444-5575. And I'd like to say too, that from a school board perspective, um, we are seeing more and more data that shows how some of these what the effects of some of these choices have been made. Like when you do cut out recess, you know, what the impact actually is on standardized testing and other things. And so I will say that there's more and more data out there that really supports the whole child aspect to learning. And um, Mansfield is a data-driven district. I mean, there's no doubt about that, but the data is showing us that those things are important. So we really do value those things. And as far as parents getting involved, I mean, I think I said that earlier, I started to get real involved with PTA and that is such a great organization. It's just that there's any opportunity you have to interact with the um, child's uh, teacher you can learn more about their educational philosophy and how they approach things. And my experience, and I hope this is the experience for most parents, is that talking to the teacher about how your child learns best. Hey, I know my child can be a handful, but he's got a lot of energy to burn off. You know, and I find that if he has 10 or 15 minutes of high activity, he's more able to focus for longer. And uh, my experience has been that teachers are real responsive to that kind of feedback. And so I would encourage parents to really um, educate their teachers on their students and their learning style. And and hopefully they'll respond well to that and, you know, keep bringing it up a level if you need to. But I I really wanted to put that very practical thing out there because for me as a parent, that helped me a whole lot. Yeah. And that's just so true. And I, I, for one, have learned my children better as a result of the quarantine and having to teach them and whatnot. So when we finally do go back to school, I think I will have some, some great input to be able to help the teachers to effectively uh, work with my children. Would you agree, David? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Some kids, they, I mean, some kids, they want to hop right to it. Some, they want to putz and dance around and you know, pontificate on life and get, get to work, you know? <laughs> so it, uh, it, it definitely has uh, opened up, you know, we knew our kids, but we really know our kids from the academic <laughs> standpoint now being side by side and having to also teach myself along the way. So we have to, we have to do shifts. We do a morning shift and afternoon shift. Anyway, we could go on. All, I could, I could take the rest of the show just on that alone. Don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Um, but, but I did wanted to ask um, how, do biases in either um, in curriculum impact uh, a child's ability to relate to and associate with what's being taught to them? Um, the limitation in regards to maybe what is being taught or from a point of view, um, or I know we already talked about you know changing the styles of I don't know differentiating how uh, teachers teach to meet the needs of the students, but. Uh, what are some of the biases, uh, the challenges that bias just in curriculum and even in testing can have an impact on on student outcomes? Um, 
you know, I think that's that's still a huge challenge. I think it's one that's become it's it's risen a little bit more to the forefront of people's minds over the last several years. Um, but we're definitely we definitely haven't crossed home plate on that at all. Um, when you're when you're um, I mean, I'm a former English teacher. So if if everything that we're reading is Shakespeare and Thoreau and things like that, and we're not looking at a multi-diverse body of literature written by people from different perspectives, from different cultural backgrounds with different experiences, we're not looking at a fully accurate body of literature. And so I, I think that's really important. We need to be able to see and hear different voices and different experiences um, over time. And uh, you know the same thing rings rings true with uh, in history. You know when you when you look at how the history books have historically been written. Um, you know there might be a, a a little section here or a, you know a, a, this one piece that we're going that we've chosen to showcase. But who who's making those choices? Mm-hmm. Um, the textbook writers who makes up those textbook writers? And so um, I, I feel like. Um, there, there's a long way to go because it's, 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 again, it comes from the people that are deciding what goes into the textbooks to the people that are deciding which textbooks are selected to the people that are deciding what are we going to draw out of those textbooks? What are we going to use to supplement the textbooks while we can continue to stay aligned with the standards of the Texas Education Agency? And so I, it's, it's a very um, comprehensive uh, issue is not necessarily the right word, but it, it, it's it's very comprehensive and there are a lot of layers to it. But I think it can definitely impact if, if every time I open up a history book or I open up something that I'm reading and nobody in anything that I'm reading or the conversations that are having in class, I don't identify with anyone. I think, and, and again, I mean, let's be honest, I'm, I'm white. And so if I'm sitting in class, I'm probably identifying with the majority of what's being talked about, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I don't know what it would be like to sit in class. I can I, and not be able to identify. I mean, that's part of that whole privilege piece that we know is out there that people are talking about and are talking about more and more. But um, that that has to impact you. That has to impact your interest level, your ability to identify. Um, it it just has to, and I think we just have to call it what it is. And I think also just as a person of color, it does something when you see that works uh, in, in this case, writing uh, from other people of color is valued enough to be highlighted in curriculum. It does something for your esteem, I think, um, to realize, you know, people that look like me, what they have to say, their voices are important. And so that might make you feel more important, I think, as a student. You know, let, let me jump in on that. My uh, oldest son graduated from Morehouse College. And then from Morehouse, he went to Princeton, um, a, a, a product of MISD. And one of the things that he says to me is that um, in regard to having a well-rounded education or educational experience, uh, he believes that um, attending a historically Black college or university helped to open up that world, uh, the very one that um, Dr. Cantu was talking about, helped them to, uh, if you would, to, to learn about some of those other authors and, and chemists and philosophers. 
uh, and um, it, it allowed him to do very well uh, in, in grad school in, uh, at Princeton uh, Seminary. So, uh, yeah, we also know that uh, test and testing, they are written from uh, a given perspective, uh, not necessarily from, uh, I think, a more global uh, perspective. And, and we're seeing, I think, the ramifications of that uh, in the uh, college and university world. Uh, where yeah. uh, now many major colleges are not uh, weighing uh, the SAT as heavy as they used to. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're a black student, you know, you were you were told a black parent, you were told that uh, your child will tend to do better on the ACT uh, than on the SAT. I don't know why that's the case, but data proves that out, you know. And, um, you know, it's even one thing that we teach at Bethlehem, you know, take this test. And before you take that one, I mean, because it's just the way data has proven uh, that to uh, be the case. But I think it also has to do, again, with with what our superintendent says, uh, a lot to do with the people who we put in front of uh, our students. I think that uh, when you have a diverse uh, a staff, they're able to bring um, uh, more flavor, uh, if you would, to the table, so to speak, more seasoning. Uh, to the table, and when they become department heads and things of that nature, uh, that all of the children benefit uh, from uh, from those experiences, and uh, we we usually come out a whole lot better. I think you can see that even in our test scores. You know, still today, you know, uh, African American uh, students, males in particular, are, are in regard to levels of competency, they're they're double digits behind, um, you know, our white counterparts, but but also. Uh, uh, behind um, uh, Latino, Latina, you know, so uh, we're, we're now really trailing. And, and I think that one of the ways that we can help that is to uh, insert and inoculate um, our curriculum uh, with a more diverse uh, material. Yeah, um, just as an aside, when, when I was in high school, I guess I had my um, first woke i was a woke white teacher <laughs> and uh he was he was teaching on on the emancipation proclamation and he pointed out that you notice that they didn't talk about states that were not in rebellion that were not in rebellion against the union i was like that's right i was like who and, and i was like wow you know and so uh when i was in college i went to the university of pittsburgh and i was an african-american studies minor and it was there that i got exposed to literature and different pieces to kind of broaden my perspective um, from things I did not learn um, when I was in high school as well. Um, but, you know, it, it definitely, it seemed, it seemed like it's sounding more and more that, you know, there needs just to be people in those places that make those decisions yeah. that influence uh, and people like Dr. Cantu who has it consciously on her mind um, to, uh, say, you know, we're going to make strategic changes to make that happen um, as well. So just for parents out there, um, ask those questions uh, of your schools. Ask those questions yeah. of your school board and of your leaders. Um, and how are they uh, being and, – and, 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 and it's not just for people uh, of color, but it benefits every student. Uh, when every student gets a broader view of the world – uh, a broader view of life, a broader view of experiences um, that benefits all so that as we go into the world and, and, you know, as we're raising up our children, that they see that there's more than one way of seeing things and it's perfectly fine as well. Um, so, but thank you, Dr. Kenty, for uh, 
uh, having that on on the forefront of your mind because uh, it is and it's going to benefit every single student as well. And I do want to let you know, too, if you're not aware, but in the state of Texas now, at least by law, we are now required to look at standardized testing by a lot of different um, demographics. They slice and dice the data. And um, that is really an attempt to try to close the achievement gap. And so if you if people are in Texas and they're not hearing their school boards talk about this data and look at this, they need to start asking questions because it's not even a negotiable anymore. It's a non-negotiable that we have to look at our standardized test data, which again, doesn't tell us everything, but there are some real attempts trying to close the achievement gap and we're required to do that now. And so I encourage everyone to, to look for that information and see how their district is actively addressing those achievement right. gaps. And Karen, thank, thank you for saying that, you know, um, now we are in an environment where there's a lot of shouting going on, um, um, and 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 people have felt that they they need to do that. I feel that people need to do it. So, you, you know, to get individuals' attention. So I'm saying that now that uh, we are getting people's attention, and and when I say we, I'm talking about citizenry here. I mean, you know, as as we have, and 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 again, uh, you know, television can bless you or curse you. Uh, but one of the things that we're seeing in regard to demonstrations and protests, uh, we're seeing diverse groups doing this. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that it is I think that is bringing an awareness uh, for, you know, Jane Doe, John Doe, that, you know, I, if my voice is heard, I can now um, be, be I can confront the system and, and I can talk about what my needs are. You know, I was asked earlier, why did I run? That's why I ran. You know, I mean, I, I was a, I was a regular, you know, during public comments, but, but what I came to understand, ladies and gentlemen, is the fact that if, if you are on the other side of that podium and you have policy writing power, mm-hmm. that makes a difference. And, 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 you know, at some point, at some point, and Karen said it, at some point, you 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 move from you transition from uh, demonstrations to dialogue, from protest to policy changes. Uh, the, the 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 real power that parents have, those people listening to me, is uh, going to attending. Now I know people working double and triple overtime. I got that, but but it it is engaging with your public officials, and uh, and, and even if you can't make a meeting. I promise you that the emails that you send, that they get that they get dealt with, they get dealt with. And, um, you know, that has got to happen. And I'm hoping that as we find ourselves in this new season of that, that we do that, that we engage that system. And I don't care what color uh, of the public official is. I mean, if it's Michael Evans and I'm not doing my job, then then then. Get in my face. That's right. You know, because we work for you. And many of us as public officials, you know, we freak out in the mind and forget that we are accountable to you because it's your money that we're spending. Now, you think about that. You think about that. You are a stockholder in the corporate complex in this particular case, which is the school district or is the city or the county. I mean, my gosh, they can't do it without our money. Nobody can. 
So um, I, I think that's important. My, my, you know, I had my youngest kid was in private school for a long time. And then I'm thinking, I'm looking at my tax bill. I say, I said, honey, <laughs> we're paying a whole lot of money to MISD. Uh, it's time to cash in, baby, on, on this investment. You understand? You know, that's just kind of how we talk at my house. You know, I'll get proper here in two more minutes. But I just think it's important <laughs> that you understand, you know, if you're a listener, you are an investor. Hold me accountable or send me back to the to the Bethlehem Church and I'll just be the pastor there rather than your board trustee. All right. I love that. Um, I want to... Um, mention some things that are being said online here um we have someone and i'm guessing she's from misd she said she'd love to see a committee formed to address culturally responsive teaching and to your point uh there should be parents on something like that i want to interrupt real quick and laugh about that a little bit because that has actually been in the works so stay tuned (laughs) stay tuned so i'm so glad that we are all on the same page so stay tuned we're working on it all right (laughs) There you go. Shamir Booker. <laughs> well, the news was broken here, too. So y'all oh. can find that as well. <laughs> I love it when we get a scoop. <laughs> <laughs> Got the big scoop here. And I will tell you, Shamir is actually a good friend of mine, too. So I'm so glad that she's tuned in. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, let me say just a quick aside. I know as a you know, former teacher, Minnesota ISD, you know, just as a whole, we know that there are um, there's a, a shortage of males in education. Um, and many, many years, I was the only male, almost every school I've been to, I was the first male that, uh, that teachers, uh, that my students had, had had exposure to, but also the, you know, in Mansfield, uh, the the first African-American teacher that they had exposure to as well. And I know that it was, um, you know, I, I pushed my kids and, you know, forget, forget who I am and forget my club. I'm, I'm, I'm going to work you. And um, it was important for me to, to ensure that the kids saw uh, someone like myself teaching mathematics and, um, you know, and they were all the better for it. So it was beneficial uh, all around. So, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, some of the places we could go with this conversation, but um but I think having exposure from different perspectives, uh, seeing other people that haven't had the same experiences as you um, as well can also play a big impact as well. So I just wanted to add that in there. And, and to uh, Michael's point earlier, that is something that Dr. V really started to work on. And uh, we have some partnerships um, with some colleges, um, historically black universities, where we actively are recruiting because that was one thing um, I don't want anybody to get confused and think that we're looking for unqualified people. But what we found is that we were going to the same well and we were getting the same mm. type of people. Yeah. And so we realized that um, we needed to change our recruiting practices a little bit. Right. And try to um, broaden the applicants that we got. And so that has been a big effort. And then the other thing that I'm really proud of that Mainsfield ISD is doing is that we're wanting to hire our own. So our graduates from Mansfield ISD that go on uh, through these teaching programs and all, they're guaranteed an interview. And that's really hard to get in Mansfield ISD. Mm. Yeah, it is. 
we've got some great programs. And with the diversity that our district is now, I also believe that that's another way to get a diversity of applicants to make sure that we're really broadening our perspective. And I know Dr. Cantu can speak to that a little bit more, but um, those are a few things that we're trying to do is that we've got to stop doing things the same old way or we're going to get the same old results. Right. And so just being a little bit more creative is how we cast the net is really going to make a difference for us, I believe. You know, I, to, to add to that, you know, um, when when you think about interviewing um, as a former person in human resources um, and, a, and a former principal, um, to to hire um, a diverse group of teachers, um, you know, people are by human nature. A lot of times, we tend to hire people who seem a little more like us, and so it's important, really, to make sure that we have a diverse group of administrators, a diverse group of school leaders, because it, it's it's really, really important for our students. And it's important for our students to see people of color and people from all different backgrounds in leadership roles. But I think when you have people of all different backgrounds and colors in leadership roles, um, the ability, it only increases your odds to be able to continue to hire a more diverse staff as well. You have to go to the to all the right wells, that's true. But then in that sitting down in that interview process, you, you have to have a diverse team making those decisions. Let me also ask um, Dr. Cantu and Karen, uh, what is being done to ensure the sensitivity of current employees um, in dealing with our current times and the racial injustice and things like that? What kind of training or what are you doing to make sure that um, things are being said that are positive and, and, you know, things like that? Dr. Cantu, I'll let you start with that because we've got a lot of work that we've been doing in this area. And Dr. Cantu actually was one of the ones that was really spearheading a lot of the work that we were doing prior to being superintendent as well. So she's she's my expert. <laughs> oh, well, I hope <laughs> Fill in, fill in the blanks because I'll probably I'll probably leave something out. Um, so we are just for one thing spearheading the social emotional learning. That's not just for students; that's for adults as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's making sure that when people come to work, they are socially and emotionally ready, and they feel social and emotional and physical safety. Um, so for adults and for students. Um, that's that's really important right now, just in what's been transpiring over the last several weeks. Um, there's been there's been a lot of social, uh, a lot of social media, um, th those sorts of things going on. We are um, gently reminding people um, to be to be aware of, of, of social media and and of themselves and um, to sort of uh, just be, be mindful um, we are also working right now, uh, as, as um, Ms. Marcucci told you, to put together a committee. We haven't started forming that committee yet, but we know now that we will be having one uh, of community members, of teachers, to collect all that sort of input. Um, we are even exploring the potential of an equity officer for the district. Hmm. Um, so that person then would be joined, joined with that committee to help make recommendations for all these sorts of things for things we can do better in the curriculum, for ways that we can support teachers, for ways that we can support our students, and looking at all the different aspects of, of a school district community and um, where, where our needs are, to do that needs assessment and then to offer and, uh, and share solutions. Okay. Is there I, a, I, 
Y'all are getting Let me add something. This is all breaking news. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. love it. I, yeah, I, and that's right. You better better write all this down. You know, and, 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 and I want to applaud the district on, on that. I hope that um, actually uh, happens uh, to have uh, that that person uh, be uh, hired. I, I think it just just total transparency here, uh, and and it's good for our listeners to know. I think that if we hire an equity officer, good if they're a minority person. I mean, you know, because I think that if you hire an equity officer and they're not, uh, then you, you still will deal with um, the backlash of, OK, they don't know me, you know, and they can have degrees out of the wazoo. So I, I think um, uh, that'll be that'll be something that I'll just lean in in the spirit of love and just say that, that that'll be a smart thing to do to get to get the position is a I mean, that's really big for the district. So high five and way to go. You know, but that other, I sure want you to hear me in that regard. So that, and that's unsolicited because you all know I don't get in your business, Karen. You know, I can't believe Karen. But uh, anyway, I just thought I'd say that. Happy well, day. And I, and I want to go back to what Dr. Cantu was talking about with the social emotional learning. Um, I think that that's really key because I don't think that we can necessarily list every difference that we all have. You know, even if we look somewhat the same, there's still so much that makes us different. Right, and that right. social emotional learning key um, is really, like we said, it's for adults and for the students is trying to help people understand um, how to address differences when they see them and um, figure out ways to have construction, constructive conversations that might be difficult, right? When you do that, it makes me feel this way and really helping people be able to have difficult conversations that are going to help them grow as people. And um, I, I'm so excited about this because if we can teach our current teachers and administration and students how to have difficult conversations with each other that lead to meaningful change, we can change the world. I mean, because I feel like so much of this has become, is because we don't know how to talk to each other in a yeah. respectful way. Yeah. And I so, I so agree with that. The conversations are so important because even amongst different cultures and people of color, there's not what we talked about last week or a couple weekends a weeks ago, there's not homogeneity of thought within even like the black race or the, or Latinos or uh, the gay community. Everybody doesn't think exactly the same. Like we were talking about, um, there's some people who don't like the term people of color. Some people don't like the word African-American. Some people like black. And, you know, some people Just are don't very... call us Negro. Just don't call us Negro. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's tough. <laughs> but so having the conversations and um, our church did a, um, a, a forum uh, talking about race and the gospel and whatnot. And one of the things that they they said was very important was having proximity to people who don't look like you being able to have the conversations and discuss how you feel, just what you were saying, Karen, how you're feel, how something like this falls on you is just so very important. So uh, I'm excited about that. Um, the equity, equity officer and the, the committee and what you guys are trying to do to, to make change in the district. And I want to make the point too, that, um, 
we don't have it figured out. <laughs> I don't want anybody to leave here thinking that we know all the problems and we've got the solution for all of them. But I do want people to hear that um, we're here for the conversation. We want to understand how we can do better. And once we know where the problems are, then we can work on solving those problems together. And so I just want to be real clear that um, that that's the takeaway that I want people to have is that we're willing to have the tough conversation and we want to hear from people and we want to figure out how we can work through this together and make it better for all of our kids because our goal is to make the world a better place at the end of the day. And I know that's a little Pollyanna, but that's really where I am <laughs> is that I really want us to do that. Um, I really have enjoyed my friendships and diversity of conversation. And as our uh, community grows, I love meeting people that don't think like me because I'm fascinated by that. How can we be in the same place and think so differently? So um, anyway, I just want people to understand that too, that we don't have it all figured out, but we are trying to do the best we can. Yeah. And actually you guys are going to be continuing the conversation um, tomorrow, you guys are preparing for, uh-oh, <laughs> sorry, I did something with my computer. You guys are preparing for a forum. Um, Dr. Evans, you want to tell us a little bit about what that's going to be and how we can be a part of that? Yes, uh, thank you very much. Uh, yes, there will be a uh, community conversation on race relations, and that's going to take place on tomorrow, Juneteenth. That's a good day uh, on Juneteenth, and that'll happen at uh, 3 p.m., and if persons would like to be a part of that uh, conversation, listen in. Uh, also, uh, they can register and add questions uh, to uh, and for the panel. Uh, they will just go to uh, mansfieldstrong.com, www.mansfieldstrong.com. And uh, the panelists will include uh, Dr. Cantu, uh, Mayor David Cook of the city of Mansfield, uh, Tracy Aaron, who is our Mansfield Police Chief, uh, as well as Gregory Mentor, who is our MISD Police Chief, our County Commissioner, Devin Allen, uh, our uh, local Justice of the Peace, uh, Kenneth Sanders, and a uh, behavior slash interventionist, uh, that is uh, Dr. James Tucker of AISD. So we look forward to a great time. Uh, our MISD students uh, will uh, be uh, posing some of the questions. And um, it really grew out of the, uh, what do we do next? You mentioned Simone Jones, Simone and uh, uh, Majesty, one of the young ladies that's a part of their uh, group. Uh, they ask us the question, well, Pastor, now after uh, we, mm-hmm. we do this this March, what next? And, uh, and uh, you know, we leaned in and said, now it's time to talk. It's time to dialogue and time to work toward uh, policy changes. So that's where we are. That's tomorrow, 3 p.m., www.mansfieldstrong.com. All right. And we will put a link on um, our page so that people can get to that. Uh, hey, babe, let me add this uh, one parting thought here is no matter where you are, uh, this episode is, you know, we're talking in context of Mansfield, uh, but right. this is a conversation. These are the types of things. So take all of the big thought ideas that you've heard from this episode and ask, how can I take this to my district? How can I take this to my leaders? How can I get in the game? What are the questions I need to be asking? Um, I think, and, and if you go back and, and either if you wrote notes down, we're gonna uh, also provide some resources as well, uh, but how can you make change where you are? Uh, because when those things happen, um, you know, we wanna help parents to, no matter where you are, um, that, uh, diversity and change and growth um, is going to help 
all families, doesn't matter what your ethnic background is, what your socioeconomic status is, this is what makes real change. Um, so after everything settles down, uh, we want to be a resource um, to help be an agent of change. Uh, so you feel empowered to go out and get in the game no matter where you are and have a voice uh, for those uh, that are like you and that are not like you uh, that can uh, make your district and make your schools better. Absolutely. And we do want to mention we have done several shows that will be helpful for parents in dealing with this race and diversity issue. Last year, we spoke with um, Nicole Franks, who's the director of diversity for Alquin School. And uh, that show was about helping your kids or raising kids that are sensitive to differences. So that's uh, one show you might want to check out. And then the one that we did a couple of weeks ago, we talked about injustice, race, and riots. And really, we what I did was I, I spoke to um, parents and asked them to give me questions that they have about all of that's going on and the, also the questions that their kids have. So we talked a little bit about the history of racism and just how can you ha ha start having these difficult conversations with your kids because they're seeing a lot and they have a lot of questions. So that's another um, episode that you can go back and look at. Um, whenever you get a chance. So we do want to say thank you guys so much for um, investing in our listeners. And this is such an interesting and challenging and historic time. And uh, we just want to come out on the other side of this better as a community and better as individuals. We just need to continue having the conversations. Thank you all for being with us today. Thank you. So unfortunately, we are out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. Noggin Educational Foundation is the premier sponsor of School Days, so we always want to let you know what's going on with Noggin. Our mission is to help close the achievement gap for economically disadvantaged children by improving educational opportunities for students, supporting families, and encouraging excellence and innovation in the classroom. School Dazed is part of our commitment to support families by providing access to experts who offer information and resources regarding all topics that impact education. If you love this program, please consider donating to Noggin. Your gift will be tax deductible. Head to our website, schooldazedshow.com to give today. And uh, for more information about all that we're doing and the resources that we mention on our show, go to schooldazedshow.com. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. And last but not least, David and I always want to end the show by saying that we are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you would like to know more about that, feel free to email me at info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week and stay safe. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.